Good morning. I sure wish you were here this morning. I looked around the congregation and I, was, I believe I saw every one of you sitting here. Uh, what a blessed congregation you are. And, uh, I just want to thank uh, Brother Don and Brother Chris for their effort in this live streaming uh, worship service. I do pray that the Lord will bless you richly wherever you are during these unprecedented times that we're in as we have this wartime mindset mentality. Uh, I want you to know that this is the very time, though, that God really does a lots of work, and I have seen that already. So I appreciate you being with us today, whatever the, the method might be, and we're going to pray that God would bless us as we trust Him in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the calamities that we face. He is a God. Would you... Uh, Bless me to pray with me and to bless God, the God that solves all our problems as we pray together. Would you bow with me? Dear most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would be glorified today. Understanding, Lord, that multiplied millions that normally gather in your house of worship are not doing that. But we know, Lord, that you have a house not made with hands. We know that, Lord, we worship you in spirit. And in truth. And even more than the absence of the congregations is the presence of God. We believe more that your peace comes by your holy presence. And so we look to you, Lord, here in this church um, congregation that or in their homes or families or with friends. I pray that you bless every one of them. As we study your word, Lord, we need you so much and we pray your goodness and mercy upon we ask you to bless us and help us worship today, that you would draw us closer today and reveal unto us, O oh Lord, the very mainstay of our life, no matter what happens, the cross, the resurrection, really Jesus Christ, our most blessed, perfect, pure Savior. Bless us, Lord, with pure grace today to worship you. And thank you, Lord, for this blessed opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to talk to you today about a problem solver, Jesus Christ, and I wanted to do that from a continuation of a series I began a few weeks ago entitled Cross Life. I wanted to because I wanted to maintain some continuity with a series that I started even in the midst of the perilous times we're in, uh, but also to make it more prominent that Jesus Christ is in fact the problem solver. He knew all of this. He knew about the coronavirus way before he got here. And so he is the solution to all our problems. And so I wanted to use some verses. I want you to get your Bibles and turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to use some verses there to uh, deal with Jesus Christ, the premier problem solver. And the deal with the Galatians was, as you know, they were in a transition period, and uh, they were in a situation, maybe a lot different than ours with this virus outbreak, but they were being bombarded with the Judaizers who wanted them to go back into the old ritual kind of worship. And so they were vulnerable to their emotions and their feelings. And I think in a like manner, we can be too. So I pray that the Lord would help us. I do also want to go 
to uh, an Old Testament passage that I think is also a transitional book, and that's Exodus, and show us an episode in Scripture where the Israelites uh, needed to be reminded of who God was and who they are and their great need of Him and how God stepped in and healed them in that case. But here in Galatians, as we look at this third chapter, I'm going to use the first five verses uh, for our, our text, so to speak, and, and as we talk about Jesus Christ, our problem solver, Galatians chapter 3. Notice with me, he says in verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently sent forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Now I want to, I want to kind of deal with three key words coming out of this passage and also I read Exodus chapter 15. Uh, and those are intimacy, an intimate relationship with God. That is that most. These Galatians were veering from that. And I think we have two. And I think God is reminding us right now about what's going on with this coronavirus that he is God. And, and many of you, uh, uh, all of you, I suppose, I want you to be reminded, I want you to be encouraged that as you sacrifice, present your bodies as a sacrifice, you know you're doing that really by not being here today? Now that's kind of a, I know you're just trying something for a preacher's sake, but, but really you are because you're doing it because we have been called by folks that know a lot more than we do about the spread of this virus that we ought to stay in. So as, as actually you are presenting your body a living sacrifice because you're doing it to protect others. And, and God appreciate it. We appreciate that. Because you know when we, when we think about the intimacy of God, that's the one word I want to talk about, that we can get away from that. And, and we can get so caught up, even in religion, that we miss God. And so I want you to re realize with me, when we go through this, and let's get the full impact of what we're going through, because God knows all about this. And what God really is about is about understanding that, that, that we have a oneness with Him. That is what eternal life is, intimacy. It's not about religion. It's not about where you go to church. It's, you know what? If we miss church, we're not going to hell. We're not. We've got a God that has blessed us, but what's really important, we can go to church and not go for the right reasons. Not that you, we've been guilty of that necessarily, but I'm going to tell you, I have learned in my mind this past week or two, being, being isolated, hey, I miss, I miss so much of my family, I miss you all, uh, but really, it's made me realize how great a sinner I really am. Because what happens when we get to the point of not having everything around us, 
not being involved in the rigorous of even religion that we understand that it's not about somebody saying, well, that's a good sermon or what kind of clothes I wear to church or who I help today. It's really you and God and me and God. And so when I realized that, I've understood how much I need God, how much I need to be close to him and how much I need a savior to get me there because I can't do it on my own. So, so what God is saying and what Paul is saying to the Galatian church is, listen, you know, you've been foolish. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who bewitched you? You know, I think we've been fooled too, don't you? And I think we're seeing now the things that we thought was happiness that provided all our fulfillment. Hey, you go in the stores now, those shelves are going to be empty. Life is like that. Life is like that. And so, so Jesus talked about this foolish here in this book. The Greek of that is talk, not talking about a mental uh, incompetency. It's talking about a spiritual laziness or carelessness. And so as we see that, I want us to say, you know, Jesus told disciples, the two on Demaeus, the walk to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, in Luke chapter 24, he told them, you're foolish. Because you don't understand that Jesus has to die, that he rises again. Uh, we can be that. We need to understand this is the cross life. That what matters is that Jesus will give something intimacy with God. You know what? I have thought about my death. And I bet you have too. We're going to die. But you know what? Jesus has overcome that. He is the great problem solver. That's the greatest enemy he conquered in the resurrection. Death on the cross of resurrection was our greatest enemy in death. He conquered death. Not that I want to, not that I want anybody to. But we come to realize that, and we realize how important God is, it is to us. So intimacy. And then the intercessor. We've got to understand that Jesus Christ is our intercessor. In the Galatians, we're thinking, well, maybe I need to be circumcised. Maybe I need to get back into these rituals. So, so, you know, we probably have been thought, thinking about what else can we do? Uh, what, and there's things we can do, but the things we can do ought to be prompted by God's grace in our lives to draw us close to him. But that we need an intercessor, that we have that in Christ. And there's nothing that we can add to Christ. Paul reminds me of Galatians have you not witnessed this? He says that you should obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you. See, these folks had already seen this. The crucifixion, the death of Christ, uh, been around the resurrection, and those that saw his resurrection. And yet, they were so foolish that they want to go back. And we need to be mindful that we are weak, and we have a tendency to forget who God is. I think we're right in a situation in the world today where we're seeing in living proof that when Jesus says to find you get life, you're going to lose it. So we lose a lot of what we normally say is our comfortable lifestyle. But what do we have? We're finding our life. You know what? I found, I found because of this isolation, because of the situations that we're in, I found what I really got married for in the first place. To be with my wife. To see that God has blessed me with a wonderful, beautiful helpmate. To be with my family. And you know, if you're single, you see the great gift of, of, uh, of your singleness and how God has strengthened you in all that. 
And so we, we see these things and what the church means to us and how we miss the tiny things that we have often taken for granted. So we see the, the intimacy, the intercessorship of Christ uh, that brings us back to where we need to be with God. And there's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. There's no other, and that's the greatest problem we have. You see, the problem is not the coronavirus necessarily. It's our departure from God because this I'm convinced it's from God. And God is saying, listen, if I have to clean the shelves, if I have to close the stadiums, if I have to shut down life on earth as we know it, for you to be mindful of who I am, then that's what happens. And so God uses means to do that, and he uses means to, to heal as well. And then the third, the third uh, point or the key word I want to bring out of this is interest. So there's three. There's intimacy, there's intercessor, and there's and there's interest. What I mean by interest is listen to God. Follow God's instructions. I don't know about you, but I have a hard time following instructions sometimes. And I, I have paid for it dearly and, and seem like I continue to, to do that. You know, just yesterday, for example, uh, I was trying to Work on my yard, cut some grass. I had my lawnmower, and I realized I got a few miles on my lawnmower, but I want to get another year out of it if I can. And so I was out there, and the belt came off, and I put the belt back on, and I couldn't get it cramped. And uh, I just kept working with it, and it just would click, just would click. And my wife, Benny, came out, and she wondered what I was doing. I guess she noticed what I was doing. I couldn't crack along more. And I said, you know, I think it's time to get a replacement maybe. And I was, I tell you, I was trying to think it. I was about to forget I was a preacher. But, but then we, I said, hey, you want to ride around? So we just took a ride out and looked around in the woods, you know, on the roads. And we came back. And I walked back out to the lawnmower. And I remember, for some reason, I just clicked the, the button on the, on the uh, controls that controls the blade. Well, I had it engaged. And so I had to turn the engagement off, and that made it crack, just like that. I was uh, almost embarrassed to tell my wife that's how silly I was, and having the gate, the brain engaged, it won't crack. So many times in our life, what I thought about there was, you know, you and I, our life is so engaged that, that we miss really what cranks us and what makes us motivated in the right way. And I think we can get so frustrated. So this is the time that we just disengage in so many things that prompts us to serve and bless God in all we do. So, so the interest, to follow God's instructions, to listen to God, and so may the Lord bless us. And so Paul is going, he uses the word foolish. He's pretty blunt with these guys. And then he says, you've been bewitched. And that means they've been flattered. It doesn't mean they were under some spell or something. It means rather... That they've been flattered, they've been tight, they've been, they've been uh, following their emotions. They wanted to feel good. And you know what? We are in a situation now where we're just worshiping the bare God. We're not, we're not, gonna, we're not here to feel good. We, we, we're here to bless God for who He is, not because we have a blessing, okay? That, that's, what, that's just what we're here for. So that is Jesus seeing Him as the premier. Problem solver. Now, 
Now we see this and we understand these five verses are just setting the tone for what Christ uh, is and who he does and what he is and how, what he's done and what he continues to do in our lives. Now I, wanna, I want you to turn with me. I told you the Old Testament. I want to look at Exodus chapter 15. You know, as I was studying this, my mind just went here, but I, I know it's Old Testament, but it's so relevant in shadows and types of Christ. And I think it's very pertinent to, to uh, proclaiming some of the truth that we're all experiencing right now. So listen to me. Here it is. I'm in Exodus 15. I'm going to start reading in a few minutes from verse 22, Exodus 15. But I want to set the context of this. Here is Israel, God's people that he chose. You are God's people. God chose you before the foundation of the world. God set his love upon you, not because you were lovable or because you would never sin or because you were going to come to faith. He did it because he loved you. And he loved you when you were enemies. He loved you when you were um, disobedient. He loved you when you were sinners. That's who God is. That's what he did. He loved you. And so he chose Israel, and he brings Israel out of bondage. Now, remember that. I know you all know the story. They come out of Egyptian bondage. They've been there a long time. They haven't had time to think about God, probably. So he brings them out, and he does this in a miraculous way. You remember he opened up the Red Sea. I mean, just parted it. They had nowhere to go. They had nowhere to go but God. And, you know, we have nowhere to go but God either. We just need to realize it. And so they, they had the Egyptian army behind them. You know, they were pursuing God had pardoned Pharaoh's heart. And God can do that. But so what happens? They, the Egyptian army behind them. They had the Red Sea in front of them. They had a wilderness around them. And so they had nowhere to go. And so what did God do? He opened the Red Sea. And they walked through the Red Sea, the Bible says, on dry ground. And that is a picture of the deliverance. That is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Jesus Christ. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 where God gives that illustration that, that they, they were given, this was given to examples for us. And so, so that also refers to Romans 6 where we're all, we all died with Christ and we rose again. So what I want to say that for, what I said that for was to understand that here's Israel. They're already saved. Okay? They're already out of bondage. Typically that is believing. You know, Galatians they were, they were God's people. But you know, we can be foolish and be God's people. We can be bewitched and be God's people. And we need to understand that what God does to bring us back to him. He is our shepherd. And sometimes sheep need to drive. And so, so when God uses calamities in our life, what he's doing is bending us toward him. And it's so amazing that sometimes we have to be on our knees. We have to get on our knees before we learn to walk. And that's what happens. So, so Israel comes out of this. And so now God leads them into the wilderness. This world is the wilderness. Listen to me in verse 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. I mean, verse 22. And they went out into the wilderness of Sur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Okay. Think about from Galatians chapter 3. We were just seeing but also the wilderness. See, the wilderness in Galatians was works, was the legalism. The wilderness in this world from believers is this world system. But notice they went three days. What does that remind you of? It's the resurrection. 
And number three, the Bible's always about the resurrection. So they were walking on resurrection ground. I want you to be reminded that you are walking on resurrection ground. Even in the midst of calamities. See, God has a purpose of the wilderness. Maybe this coronavirus is that wilderness. I suppose it is. But you know what it does? It has a purpose. It humbles us. Yes, it does. That's what the wilderness does. It humbles us. And when we're humble, that's when we're lifted up. And also the wilderness makes us aware of God's presence. Just God. I mean, God's presence. And we see that it's a way that we exercise our faith. Hey, you know, we're here today. I, I said a while ago, I don't see you, but I, I can I, I, I just almost feel your presence. See, we have to worship by faith. And this is the time to do that. We, we walk by faith. We pray by faith. We meet here every Sunday. And we think about God and we worship if this room is full. And it has been so many times. And I'm thank, thankful for it. But you know what? If God is in here, it makes no difference. The Holy Spirit. That's what makes the difference. That is an intimacy. That is the intercessorship. That is the interest that we can have the, the uh, passion to love God as, as we never loved him before. So, so they come to the wilderness, went to the wilderness three days, and found the water. <laughs> they found something they didn't have, something they needed, they didn't have. Have we noticed that in the world today? You know, we, we find that we need something. Uh, whether that's toilet paper or milk or whatever. You know, there, there could be shortages. They say there's, there's plenty, but... But the pandemic of buying up has made itself so a lot of children. But the deal is, God brought these people to a place. God did it. And God showed them, though they were resurrected on resurrection ground, that they had a need and that they couldn't supply it. And that's what God is teaching us. God is teaching us that He is that need. That the world were not satisfied. That ball games. And barrooms and and worship conferences and all that. Well, that's not what it's about. It's about God, just God. And in the Habakkuk's prayer was in the third chapter. He says, even if the stalls are empty, he says, yet will I praise God. We we serve God and we we not only though basis. He says, although they're empty, yet. Well, I pray and serve God. And so may we do that in our life. So he brings them out and they have no more. And then in verse 23, and when they come or came to Marah, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. That's what Marah named. It's not the bitterness. So they come into the wilderness, led by God. They find something they desperately need that is vital, that it went. And you know, Jesus is the water of life. He tells us that in, that in John chapter 7. He says, he's the water of life. And he, he's that life, that water that never runs dry. But he says, this is what you need. And then he says, they come to this place, they find the water, and it's bitter. See, the world is bitter. This situation we're in is bitter. It's a horrific situation to be in. But look, there's a problem. There's a remedy to it all. And that is Jesus. And, and we need to understand that this is the greatest opportunity. 
that, that we understand back in Galatians, what Paul was said in the course form, that the only salvation is in Christ alone by faith alone. And so right now in this, in this isolation, this staying to ourselves, this uh, pandemic, so to speak, that we're going through is a premier opportunity to bring forth the problem solver, Jesus Christ. To say and to live like this, that, that, you know, while we're alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, while we're alone. And that's all it is. And what a blessing that is to see that and rejoice in that. So, and when they came, they could not run. But God's going to make it so they can. And he's going to help them out. You see, there's a, there's a solution to every problem. And, uh, and see, the problem, it is so true, it's not the problem. The problem is the attitude we have about the problem. That's the real problem. So may God help us to humble ourselves and see this in our life. So, and the people murmured, look at verse 24, against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? Now see, they were complaining. I hope we don't do that. Because really why I say that is because, and I, you know what, I've been convicted on this too, is that when we do, we are really complaining against God. You know, when we blame the uh, coronavirus on the Chinese or on some blame it on President Trump, what we're really blaming on is God because all of this comes through God. You know, there's a, there's a verse that, that uh, sweetens that, that truth a little bit over in the book of Ephesians. Uh, I'll read that quickly to you. You don't have to turn there. I believe it's the first chapter in the 11th verse, and here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. It says, In whom, this my God, we have obtained an inheritance, how? By his grace, being predestinated according to the purpose of him, listen to this, who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. Isn't that amazing? So, so all things includes the coronavirus. See, God is working this out according to the counsel of his will. And he, he you and I can rejoice and be assured that, that he has a good purpose in all of it. Doesn't it say in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and that are called according to his purpose. Well, well now, this is where the rubber meets the road. And so we trust God and we believe that. And so, so the people, though, were complaining against Moses. And so Moses, and this is where the intercessor comes in, and Moses being a type of Christ, I want you to see that with me. And Moses cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statue and an ordinance, and there he proved them. Isn't that amazing? God's grace is so amazing. See, see the, the tree was there all the time. But God showed it to Moses. See, that's what Jesus is here all the time. But what's, what God is doing is showing us him. And, and this is the figure of this tree. Because this tree is going to be cast and cut down and put in the water. And it's going to sweeten it. And that's what has to be done. He is the premier promontory. Jesus is the tree. And there's so many verses that, that characterize that in God's word. 
Psalms 1 3 is one of them where he's a tree planted by the rivers who brings forth fruit in his season, never withers. Uh, you know, you think about the cross, he was, he was crucified for us on a tree. Uh, he, he is our Savior, and He is the truth. And so, what Jesus did on the cross makes it so that we can rejoice even in the sufferings with Him that we are involved in. So, the intercessor, I want you to see that with me this morning that is His intercessor. See, you're not alone. Uh, no matter if you don't see one living soul, you have an intercessor, and His name is Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 7 25, did you know that Jesus ever lives to make intercession? And do you know that is why God saved? That is why God blessed us? It's not for our sakes, it's for Christ's sakes. You know, the scriptures tells us if God marked iniquity, who will see none of us? That's it, none of us. We're all sinners. But yet, He is our intercessor. And, and in 1 John 1 9, you know, He says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and forgiveness and cleanses from all unrighteousness. That's Jesus. That's, the, that's what makes, that solves the problem. That's our greatest problem. I have seen that just mean to myself. Like my greatest problem is me, my sinfulness. And you know, this is an opportunity as we get by ourselves more, even though we see the wilderness, we realize when God saves us, this world becomes a wilderness. The shells of life are empty. What we thought would make us happy is not going to do it. Only Jesus can do it. And we see that. And he makes this intercessor. That this word crucified, Paul used in Galatians, our text a while ago. You know, that, that is a, and some of you English teachers can correct me. It's a past, it's a perfect, it's a past perfect, perfect past participle. And what that means is, it's a historical fact. That is the crucifixion of Christ. But it's also continuing. So that when we read verses like 1 John 1, 9, it's not that Jesus just forgives us once. His cross, that's the premier problem. He continuously, continually forgives us. And he never lives to make himself intercession for us. What a blessing. And so even though, even though these people here and in Galatia, were, were God's people, positionally, they were saved. Just as they never ever did, ever happened. But they were not practicing that. So that's what that's where the peace and the joy and the fruit bearing of our lives come when we practice the position that God has given us in Christ by his amazing grace. You know, I was thinking the other day a good a good way to uh, illustrate not being able to come to church and still realizing the intimacy, the intercessorship, and the interest that we have in God and that He creates us in the Holy, with the Holy Spirit uh, is to think about the example that Christ gave, gives us in Luke chapter 18 of the publican and the Pharisee. See, the Pharisee was in the church. The Pharisee says, you know, I got to go to church because I don't want people to see me. I've got to go to church because I want to pray this long prayer. And I want people to know I give a lot. So he gives three times a week his tithes way above his calling. But he won't anybody know about it. Luke 18, you can use the word I there a lot or see it in the scripture. Then there's a man, the publican, never to get to church. The Bible says he stood outside and, and 
smote his breast and said, Lord, have mercy upon me, the sinner. And you know what? I think this is the greatest platform we've ever had for revival. Because we see ourselves. We, we, we're, 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 we have to disengage uh, our life in such a way that, that what matters now, you know, we have to deal with ourselves. We have to see the wilderness. And when we, we see ourselves, that's where we find ourselves. And when we find ourselves, we find God. And then we find God is really the problem solver of all our life. And all the time we thought we had to do it. So, so intercessor. And then let's go on. I'm still in Galatians, or, or rather Exodus. But I want you to see the transition with me. Same sort of context in a way. People being deceived because of their experience. And, and yet we need to bring this back to understand that we trust God. And we realize that when he's given us the Holy Spirit in the New Testament age, that that Holy Spirit is with us. What we have to do is submit to it. It's not about trying to do good enough to get the Holy Spirit. It's about submitting to him and letting him have his way. It's about surrendering to God. And I believe that's what God is teaching us. And then he goes on to say, after Moses cried unto the Lord, in verse 26, and he said, this is what God says. Now listen. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that Felix did. You can pin that verse up somewhere. That's a good verse, especially for the time we're living in. Not that any of them aren't. It's just amazing to see that God says, if you will listen to me. And so that, that brings me to my last point of interest. Following God's instruction. I, I said somewhere the other day, and I know it's a private verse for you all. Um, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, notice who the audience is. God's people, not the world. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. But it's about God's people. It's about you and me. It's about coming to grips with our life. And when I think about the great revivals in the world, I think about uh, Josiah and, and Nehemiah and Daniel. And I was reading about those those guys, one of the first things they cried out to God, they said, God, forgive me of my sins. They didn't say they, they said me. We have sinned. And so may God help us to see that as, as we deal with life and the problems that we have and we see what God says, you listen to me. And you know, it's time, don't you think, that we listen to God about how to live and not just what the world says, but what does God say? What does God say about marriage? What does God say about, about life? What does God say about worship? What does God say about every facet of our lives? Follow God. God's given us a book. 860,000 plus words just about instructed of how to live because God is our manufacturer. He's our creator. And this is his book he's given us to live by. And what a blessing is. God said if you listen. 
And yet, as God has shown Moses the truth, as God showed you Christ, because he is the master teacher, and we're to listen to him and surrender to the Holy Spirit that God has given us, and we see the blessing that God gives us. You know what? It can be bitter. I tell you, we don't know where we're going. We don't know how long this is going to be, this, this pandemic situation. And I regret, I know you do, that any lives are lost. And we pray for those families that have lost loved and those that are in, involved in sickness. And we don't have any coming to stakes for them. But we trust God, and we know that God is the great healer. And we hover under his wings, and we thank him for his amazing grace, because he is our protection. But we know that, that if it comes to us, I noticed someone in the church two years ago gave me a plaque that's in our kitchen to this day. It says, if God brings it to us, he will bring us through it. And I believe that. And that, that, is, that is based upon a sovereign God, uh, a covenant God, a God that is merciful, and that his love is everlasting. And so we need to rejoice in that. But what we need to do, I am convinced that we see in this episode of, of Galatians and of Exodus, you know what? We just need the stirrings of Jesus in our life. When life gets bitter, it's a great opportunity to stir some Jesus. And that's in your personal life, in your small groups, in your families. Uh, Jesus just sweetens the pot of life. And without him, everything is empty. It's bitter. But with him, all things have a sweetness, even our sufferings and our calamities that we go through, that, that we can rejoice in his suffering. You know, a good example of that, I think, is, you remember Paul and Silas were in prison. And you know what they did? They started singing. <laughs> they started singing and rejoicing, praising God, right in the midst of that, that horrific situation they were in. Well, you know what happened when the chains started falling off? You know, the other day, she's done it so many times, my wife Penny, I'll walk in the house sometime and I'll hear the piano playing. And uh, she wouldn't tell you she's a great piano player, but she is. And I'll hear the piano playing. And every now and then I hear my, my granddaughter Faith, that's a beautiful girl voice singing. But I just walk in the house and I hear that. And I probably will never tell them, but it just builds me up. It makes my heart rejoice. And I know they're doing it for the same reason. And so we see that because God says in the last verse of of the uh, coming out of uh, the wilderness after the waters were sweet, he says, and they came to Elam, where were 12 wells of water and three score and 10 palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. So that is, that is how God heals and what God, God you see has a, has a destination. And so when you think of Elam and you think of the wells, the 12 wells, you know, I thought of the 12 apostles. And then I thought about the 70 disciples. Those numbers weren't just there for happenstance. The God has a purpose in it. And so God says in his miracles, and back in Galatians, he says that. And I think most clearly, uh, look, at, look at back in our first text, Galatians chapter 3, God says, Verse 5, last verse we use in the text. He therefore that ministers 
ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, by hearing faith. By faith. And faith is right where our life to bring out the faith that God's called us to bless us. To walk by faith and not by sight. And we're and to see God's miracles. The miracles of understanding that in the midst of the situations that seem so horrific and that are, that beyond that is the clear sky of God. Uh, because the clouds may be in life, but beyond us is a blue, clear shining sun and blue, beautiful sky. And so God is so much like that. He is, he is calling us to be intimate. He is calling us to come to him through the intercessor, Jesus Christ. And he's calling us to hear him, to have more interest in God. And you know, you don't let that faith, you hear me? Understand that if God is set on your heart, and God will use this, and God is doing this to bring us to understand, yes, I need some things different in my life. I need to set aside some things that are not so important, and I need to give God. And you know what? If that's your heart, I want you to be submissive to God. And, and you know, God says, you listen to me. And you know one of the things God says to us? You know, if you haven't been baptized as a believer, you've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. But to be baptized by water, by immersion, following Christ, that's the call of the Great Commission. And, and you know, if that's been on your heart, then you do it. And you say, well, we can't have church. I'm going to tell you, if you're associated with the State Corporate Baptist Church, you give me a call or text or email. We'll get 10 people or less together, and we'll have a, we'll have a baptism. That's what we'll have. We'll honor God in or if you're associated with another church uh, and you have this persuasion and you feel like you're a sinner and you feel guilty and you want to have relief from that, you want a clear conscience before God, then you submit to that and you, do, you don't wait till everything levels off. Because what happens, if you're like me, you forget about it. You do it and you go to the pastor that you're praying with and you talk to him about it and, and may God be honored and glorified. So, so we see the miracles of God because here's the thing, and here's the, uh, I guess the arena or the atmosphere that God operates so wonderfully in this. And I, I know in the scriptures I close in Ephesians chapter three again, verse twenty, because you know what God can do so much more than we think He can do, and we need to draw on that, and we need to see the interest that we have in the passion. Because I know that all of you pray fervent. And I, I try to pray every day. But you know what? I'm noticing my prayer life, it's been a whole lot more interest and passion in it in recent times, recent days, than ever before. What a blessing. What a joy. It's just it's amazing to taste it. But to understand that God does heal. God promised that in verse 20 of Ephesians 3, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. And that power that worketh in you is the Holy Spirit of God. You can't earn it. You can't get good enough to get more of it. What you have to do, and I have to do, is surrender to it. He's there. And you got the Holy Spirit the same time you got justified. 
by God's amazing grace. All at the same time. It's not something you get the second blessing or you have to work out to or get your life straight to do. God is just surrender to God. And what a blessing, what a joy it is to know that when we bow to him, he will lift us up and bless us. May the Lord bless you in every way. Would you bow with me for our closing prayer? Dear most precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, for these two examples of grace, both from Galatians and Exodus and for preserving your word. I know, Lord, that your people now are hoping around your word more than we ever have before. We need your instructions. Lord, we have a keener interest in you than we've ever had before. And we realize, Lord, to get to you, to find that intimacy that is only the only satisfaction and fulfillment and the true happiness that we have, we have to have that through an intercessor. And that intercessor is only Jesus. It's not legalism. It's not works. It's not church. Oh, Lord, help us in these times to use them to just enjoy you, not to be bogged down with everything else. To sing like the birds that trust you. To laugh like the little children that believe everything is going to be okay. Thank you, God, for your lovingness, for your mercy, for forgiveness, and for this prime opportunity for us to proclaim the premier problem solver, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen.